Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. What is happening, gang? What is happening, dimers, dimoids, dimensional travelers of the galaxy? Yeah, I'm not too sure about that last one, I'll be honest. Not entirely sold on it. Maybe it works. Anyway, as always, I am Mal Foster, and you are listening to a brand new episode of a brand new season of Dimed Out. That's right, season two, baby! If you are new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Secondly, congratulations. You've made an incredible choice. And in doing so, you've told me that you are a person of great character, taste and distinction. So you, my friend, are always welcome back. Last, but by no means least, if you find yourself wondering, well, what the hell is this show actually about? Then don't worry, because you are in good company. Pretty much everybody that listens to this, including myself, is wondering the same thing. Truth is, we don't really have any sort of set parameters and we don't really fall into any particular categories. We kind of cover everything. The main emphasis of the show, the core ideology, the beating heart of Dimed Out, to me, is experience. Whether that is my own personal experience from the past, whether it's the experience of somebody else from a different walk of life, or whether I'm throwing myself into a new experience. That's what this show sort of orbits around experience, doing and learning. And the wonderful thing about that ethos, around that ideology, about that beating heart for this show is that it opens us up to so many different things. We are not pigeonholed into studying or talking about or dissecting or exploring one particular thing. If you look at season one, which I hope you do if you are new to the show, I hope you go back and comb through those episodes, you will see that we managed to, within just one season, accumulate a pretty broad spectrum. But the beauty of what we're doing here is that that is just a drop in the ocean. And that's what I'm hoping to explore in season two, furthermore into the ocean, to kind of go a little bit deeper, go a little bit wider, go a little bit weirder. But wherever we go, whatever we look into, the experience is always going to be the center point. It's always going to be the beating heart of this show. And I hope that your experience as a brand new listener goes as well as it possibly can. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much sincerely for coming back, for for listening in the first place, for showing support for season one and actually wanting to come back for more. Sincerely. I wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for you. But for the right here and now, for the very present that we find ourselves in, let's get into it. Let's get cracking with season two. I am excited, guys. I am excited. Because it's that time of year, and this episode was a no-brainer. When I drew up the initial schedule for season two, and I figured out that the first episode would be dropping on Christmas Eve, I just had to do this. So to give you a little bit of explanation before we dive headfirst into it, a number of moons ago, 
I sat down with my mum, who was a guest in the first season, episode 10. Great episode. Talk about all kinds of things. Ask her some big, important life questions. We talk about aliens. So if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. But a number of years ago, I did a Christmas episode for the previous podcast I did called Ramble On. That is an episode I love doing. It's an episode that I still hear about today from people who go back to it continuously. So, yeah. First episode, Christmas Eve. Had to do it. Had to get my mum back on to talk about all things Christmassy. In particular, some Christmas memories. Memories around Santa Claus in particular. And some other stuff. Yeah. What I mean by that is I offered my mum some alternatives to Santa Claus. Mainly in the form of German folklore. Yeah, you'll, you'll hear for yourself, I guess. But that's what this episode is. It's me talking to my mum about Christmas memories and terrifying alternatives to Father Christmas. Oh yeah, by the way, at some point in this following conversation, my mum blows the whistle on a couple of Santa Claus deniers. So to protect their identity, I have redacted their surnames and on occasion, you will hear this. Alright, so without further ado, let's get into it. This is me talking to my mum about Santa Claus. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, uh, by the time this this drops, by the time people are listening to this right now, it'll be Christmas Eve. So are you excited for Santa Claus, old Saint Nick, to come visit? Nah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just excited because it's a lovely time of year, and yeah, you know, it's just it, it's a, a nice time of year. Yeah, and uh, you think we think we need quite a bit of a nice time after this year. I do, yeah. I think people in general have had a bad year, really. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yeah, I think it'll be something for them to look forward to, and a little bit of joy. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk all about. Father Christmas and Saint Nicholas, mm-hmm. Old Saint Nick, Chris Kringle himself. Yeah. The man's got many names. We're going to talk about him a little bit today. First of all, I want to dive into you and Santa Claus. You as a child and Santa Claus. Do you remember sort of really believing in Santa Claus? Do you remember him being a part of your childhood? Yeah, yeah. But things have changed since I was a kid. Yeah. Like how? Well... We didn't get the presents that kids get now. Yeah. We got we got one of my dad's old socks. <laughs> what? With nuts in the bottom. Oh, okay. And, and Hang on, this, this was a present that you got? No, I was stockings. We used to get stockings, but not like they get them now. Right. We get one of my dad's old socks, <laughs> one of his old woolly socks, and they used to have nuts in the bottom that uh-huh. you opened. You cracked open with a nutcracker. Yeah. And then you had a tangerine or an orange. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, a few sweeties. Yeah. And that was about it. You, you couldn't get a lot in them old socks. You know, they were just old socks. Couldn't fit an iPad in there. No, you couldn't. No. 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 <laughs> what is the best Christmas present you remember getting? Actually. I don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't have a really good recollection of my childhood, really. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't get big things. Well, you know, I had a very sort of strict upbringing. You know, my father was uh, Baptist and mm-hmm. it was church time. 
Yeah, and, and I suppose back then as well it was more... There was more emphasis on baby Jesus, Christmas carols and things like that. It's completely changed to what I was when I was mm. a child. I think it's, it's probably safe to say it's a lot more colourful and sort of vibrant and, I guess, sugary now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's more commercial now than I ever remember. Yeah. I mean, when you got sweets... You, we used to get a big tin of sweets, but it was for the whole family. Like a big tin of quality street or whatever the equivalent would have been then. Yeah, and that was a big, big thing. Oh, yeah, because you've already got your old sock full of nuts and mm. and, and a tangerine. Yeah. So that's that's that out of the way. The, the, the Christmas I remember mostly is the one that sticks in my mind is when I had Rialto the Pony. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't get any Christmas presents for me, but I got them for the the horse. Oh. I got, like, brushes for the horse and... I was going to say, what did you get him? Well, I, people ask me, you know, people ask me what I wanted and I used to say I wanted a a dandy brush or a curry comb or something like that, you know. Hang on, what are these got... things? You're going to have to explain these. What's a dandy brush? A dandy brush is what you use to groom a horse. It's oh. like a hard kind of brush gets all the dust out of the coats and that. Yeah, and and a curry comb cleans the brush. Oh, okay. You know, so you, you brush the horse, clean it, brush the horse, clean you know, mm-hmm. and it just gets rid of all the dust out of the coats. Um, and I got horse bandages, leg bandages for when you travelled to shows. You bandage the horse's legs so they didn't get damaged. I was going to say, is that is that just for show? Is no. that like a nice pair of socks, but for a horse? Well, <laughs> some people do use them, you know, you can get coloured ones and you, you do get them, but these were just for uh, transportation, you know, when you went to a show hunting or something. Looking after his legs. Yeah, not that I went, I had transportation because I used to ride my pony to wherever I was going, but there you go. <laughs> the pony was the transportation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was your lift up there and he was also yeah. the reason you were there. Yeah, and I used to get like coloured brow bands with different colours on, you know. It sounded like Rialto had a good Christmas then. Oh he did, yeah. Did he get some treats for his nose bag? No, no, he didn't have a nose bag, but he got hoof oil. Oh. It's, it's, again, I guess that's just for like preserving his his feet. Yeah, it's just like it's looking you know, after his hoofs. You paint it on. Oh, and it makes them all shiny and that look nice. Oh, so it was it was for preserving, but it also kind of gave him a little That's bit a of bit of bling, a bit of <laughs> a bit of a festive bit of bling. bling. Yeah, that look good for Christmas. <laughs> going back to Santa Claus, though, for a second, because this is going this is primarily what we're going to be talking about. Santa. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when you stopped believing in Santa Claus? Do you remember any idea of how old you would have been? Well, I'd be about 13 because I was kind of naive. Mm-hmm. I was a na- well, I suppose I am a bit of a naive person. And- I wouldn't say that. I would say that, I would say that you're optimistic rather than naive. Yeah. I felt um, I was very sheltered because of the way I'd been brought up. It was very, you know, home is where the heart is kind of thing. And, you know, had a father that was very kind of strict and mm-hmm. you knew where you stood and, you know, you knew your manners and all the rest of it, you know, and things like that. I think I'd be about 13. Right. Which I, I think that's, that's, you know, I think nowadays kids probably know a bit earlier because 
you know, the internet and there's just so much access to, to stuff. And kids know a lot more than I think people give them credit for because of that. But I think 13 at that time would have been about an average age, maybe. Yeah. I think um, when you know that Santa doesn't exist, yeah. it kind of kills the magic. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. You do? You think once, uh, once the, the cat's out of the... The Christmas sack. I do, yeah. Yeah, for children, I do. Because... Mm-hmm. told that Santa existed. She said she wouldn't lie to him. Oh, wow. He knew that it was her right from the word go. I didn't know this. This, by the way, for anyone listening, is, is family friend and and her, her son. Um, yeah, I had no idea about no, that. No, she said it was deceitful. Huh. And she was going to tell him the truth, you know, not not have this pretense of Santa. Right. How did that work out exactly? Was he all right with it? I'm presuming he was. I mean, he's turned out perfectly fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I suppose it did turn out all right, but there was no magic as a child for him. Right. Because he knew... You know, I can completely understand where she's coming from because really it is a little bit deceitful. I mean, it's a good kind of deceitful, probably the best kind. But do you do, see? Because you didn't do that with me, so I'm going to presume that you don't think that's the way to go. And clearly, with you saying that uh, without Santa Claus, there's, there's very little to no magic. Like if you if you were to do it again, if you were given the option, would you would you still continue with telling me that there was a Santa Claus? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Do you remember when I stopped believing in Santa? I don't, Lucas. See, I don't either. That's that's why I put this in, because I, I really do have a struggle remembering a lot of things, but I cannot honestly remember when I stopped believing in Santa Claus or how old I was, and I was wondering if you would have any idea. I, I honestly can't remember. I think you were still at Norman Street School. I don't think right. you got to your... Secondary school. Yeah, see, in my head, that's when I'm I'm picturing it, about 11, maybe going... Yeah. Yeah, about 11, probably. I can remember you coming home and saying that Martin (laughs) had told you that there wasn't anybody called Santa. It was your mum and dad. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Oh, Martin, you killed Christmas for me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And you said... Is that right, Mum? I've heard <laughs> this awful rumour at school. No, I think he came in and he said, Martin said Santa doesn't exist. It's your mum and dad. And he kind of put me on the spot and I said, um, right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's all I said. Oh, so you, you didn't really confirm or deny it? You just no. were like, oh, OK. no. I'm just going to leave that to sort of settle with you and see what you decide. I thought I'll give that Martin a good thrashing. Wow. No, no. <laughs> Do you remember he once he once dared me to call one of our teachers Brenda? Yeah. That was her first name. I can't remember what her actual like the name that we would refer to her as her formal name. I just remember her as Brenda because we found out that was her name. And Martin dared me to run past her one day during PE going, all right, Brenda. (laughs) And I did, stupidly enough, and I got in trouble for it, (laughs) obviously. What a sturdy he was, eh? I know, right? What a little instigator. (laughs) 
<laughs> getting me in trouble and then telling me Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah. Santa's died. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That would have been a bit more traumatic if he told yeah. me that. At least he told me he didn't exist. Yeah. So, yeah, that's got to be, as you say, about the age of about 11. Um, at, at the latest, I think. 10, 11, something like that. It, right. Roughly about your last year, I think, at primary school. Oh, man. But I kind of think you knew beforehand because you used to write for presents as a kid. <laughs> Did I? You used to look for the presents, yeah. Really? Yeah, the hiding places. Oh, so I used to just try and ransack rooms and, and look for where you'd stash them. Well, not ransack them, but you used to... <laughs> yeah, it's not to... like it's a drug raid. No. <laughs> You did used to look, and this would be a couple of years before, so I kind of think you had an inkling. Either that or I thought you were just, like, in cahoots with Santa, uh, and I knew yeah. there, was something, there was something afoot, there was something going on. Yeah. Wow, I don't remember that. Do you know? Digging about, trying to find hidden Christmas presents. Yeah, yeah caught you in your grandma's wardrobe once. <laughs> Which was one of the places I used to... Oh, that was, a, that was a... Yeah, that's right. That's right, that was a hot spot. Yeah. yeah. Presumably you kind of changed tactic after you found me in there. I did. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to have to find some new places. He's on to me. Yeah. Right, that's interesting. So, yeah, so maybe I did have a, an inkling a little bit earlier than 11. What kind of, like, what, is there any particular Christmases with me and with Grandma that you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, it, it's really funny because your grandma used to be really excited to see you opening your presents. Mm -hmm. And if she'd got nothing, that wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered to her. She would right. you, they'd love to see you open your presents. Well, yeah, because I remember that she would, and the pair of you would always insist that I start mine first, and she would yeah. always be last to open hers. And it was almost yeah. like an afterthought. It's like she wants everybody else to get theirs open first, and then she'll go through hers. Yeah, there's lots of Christmases. I bought you the uh, little red dressing gown ones for Christmas and you loved it. Oh, my goodness, you, yeah, I remember that. And couldn't get it off you. Yeah. You loved that dressing gown. Wow, I haven't thought of that for years. And little slippers, and I can't remember what they had on them, but you loved them. You loved this dressing gown and little slippers. I vaguely remember having, at one point, slippers where the front were footballs. Yeah. They were like novelty slippers where the front yeah. was like a, the front end of a football, like a, like a typical image of a football, black and white, sort of hexagons or what have you. Pretty cool, but kind of dangerous if you come trundling down the stairs too fast. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I do. I remember all of the Christmases. It was really lovely. It was lovely to see your little face and you used to wake up really early and come into my room and say, Mum, Mum, Santa's been. I remember quite distinctively one year waking up in the middle of the night about half past two, three o'clock in the morning and insisting that we start opening presents. Yeah, and I think we've done that before. Yeah, I, but that happened, right? Yeah. And we did, if I remember, we did half at the time to kind of just sort of satisfy my need to open presents right there and then for whatever sort of deaverish demands I was making. And then you were like, okay, we'll do we'll do like half now and then we'll do the half after you've gone back to bed and wake up again. I don't think 
think you ever went back to bed. I think you played with the figures. <laughs> so I just stayed up through the morning. I think so. I think you you took the stuff upstairs. Can you remember when you got the wrestling ring and the wrestlers? Yes. You took them upstairs and you played with them. Wow. So nobody got any sleep that night, well, presumably. You, you didn't, but I did. I, I went back to sleep because then days I could sleep on a log. And your grandma... Went back to sleep, no problem. Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. But you played with the wrestlers, I think, and then it was early morning. It would wouldn't be it'd be about six o'clock, seven o'clock, and you came into my room and said, "Have we opened the present? Have we opened the rest of the presents now?" And I just said, mm. I said, "Yeah, right." So we, and we got up from the rest. And your grandma used to trail down. Do you have any other sort of specific Christmas memories? Um, yeah. I, I associate, um, Sheena used to wrap the presents up really beautiful, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She loved Christmas. Oh, yeah. That, it was her time of the year. She really yeah. loved Christmas. And she used to bring the presents down and they were so lovely, nicely wrapped up. It was a shame to open them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you, it, it was. And, yeah, I, I remember I remember that because... It was hard to open them. I, I, could, actually, I, I used to sort of leave them to the last. Mm-hmm. And then you'd try and figure out how to open them without yeah. tearing or ripping so you could preserve the stuff that she'd made for them. Yeah, and I've, have preser- I've still got some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And a little box of ribbons. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, she really loved Christmas. and I, I loved putting the Christmas tree up with you as a kid. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Putting the tree up, putting the yeah. ornaments on, lighting it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, all that stuff, all that good Christmas stuff. Yeah. Anything else that you can think of at the top of your head? I think as a parent, it was nice to go and try and find the things that you really wanted. You know, you used to make a little list. Did it? Yeah, you know, like the year that you wanted the turtles or the wrestlers. Right. It would be wrestling figures and or Liverpool t-shirt a liverpool shirt or something yeah. it was things that you were really interested in at the time that you wanted to have have i always been like that where i've just when i've liked something i've gone all in on it and just kind of focused everything in on that one yeah you have <laughs> so it's not it's not a development in adulthood that's that's stemmed from childhood are you like that now oh yeah if if i if i find something that i really like and that I sort of gravitate to, everything else kind of gets blinkered, and it's like, that's it, that's my thing for however long. Yeah, well, that's you've got my nature, haven't you? It's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so I was kind of, I was like that as, as a kid, especially at Christmas. If Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was my jam. That's, I just wanted everything to do with turtles. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's interesting. I think you got most, I think you got most time out of the wrestlers than you did anything yeah that and little corinthian football players the ones with the big heads yes yeah i kind of became obsessed with them at a certain point about 12 years old you did there was hundreds of them yeah we used to keep them in that battered old red biscuit tin you did i didn't really ever fall into the sabutio trap i did a little bit but I used to mainly just use the pitch and the goals from yeah. Sabutio and use the big-headed players. You did. And I would I would simulate football matches with these figures. <laughs> and I would have a league 
and I had like a notepad where I would have different teams and I would do I would do like full seasons. But you you'd always very good at entertaining yourself as a child. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, even when I played with wrestling figures, it wasn't just wrestling figures, it was all figures, but they were they were competing. Yeah, your imagination used to run riot. Yeah. That's why I think when, when I had chicken pox and you got and this is completely going off Christmas tangent now, but when I had chicken pox and you got me that typewriter, that's why I think I was like probably more engrossed and entertained in, in a gift period in that than I ever have been because it's just like, oh, okay. So all the things that I've been making up with toys and stuff, I can now make up and just write about. Yeah, you love that typewriter. I was, yeah, I was off school for about two weeks. And if I yeah. remember rightly, all I did was just write stuff. And it would be all kinds of different things about people I'd made up or about stories of people I knew, friends at school and stuff, people that lived on the street, um, family members. Uh, and I would just go to, go to town on that typewriter. What made you buy me that in the first place? Just something to occupy me while I was ill. Yeah, I went to Scotland for it. Bloody hell. How did, how did that come about? Because this is pre, this is pre-internet days. This is pre-eBay. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it was like um, an ad in the paper. Oh, so someone was selling it in the classifieds, and you? I think so. All right. And I, th- you know, that would be really good. That would occupy him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think your concern was that I would just spend the two weeks or however long I was off with chicken pox, just watching TV or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that that uh, typewriter, <laughs> you got some bloody mileage out of there. It yeah, you did. It paid for itself. It was a ton weight. I do remember it being because it wasn't an electric one. It was like an old, old fashioned mechanical one. Yeah, yeah, with a manual slide across. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old would I have been? Um, I've been about what thirteen. Yeah, you would have been, yeah. I can't really remember. Something like that. Because I had it late, because most kids get chicken pox pretty early, but I got it kind of late, I think. Yeah. That's one of, and, and it's not Christmas related, but it kind of is because it's a gift. That's one of my favourite gifts ever that I remember because of just how much I got out of it in, in that intense period of time. Cruel mother. I mean, second-hand stuff, you know. <laughs> No, but this is this is the thing. I honestly, because a, a number of big sort of Christmas items like games, consoles, and stuff that I've gotten as a kid were secondhand. Yeah. There was that shop on this on the corner. Yeah, um, John's. Did, <laughs> yeah, John's. But didn't you used to get called Dirty John? Or am I remembering that wrong? You might have. I don't know. Used to he used to have all sorts in that shop, didn't he? He did. Like it was. It was. A proverbial Aladdin's cave of yeah. like knickknacks, electronics, toys, uh, video cassette tapes at the time. I don't know if anybody found anything in it. No, I don't either. I don't think he had an inventory. I think he just had stuff in there and he would just make up prices for it. I don't know. But yeah, I remember getting um I remember getting stuff from there. Again, remember getting games from there and stuff for Christmas. Yeah. But you know, it, it served me no no wrong. You know what I mean? It's like Kind of makes you appreciate things a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't think it does any child any harm to want. No, sure. If they've never wanted, then they've never. You know, it's not a good thing. I don't think. No. 
Well, it kind of diminishes a sense of appreciation, I think. I have a vague memory of being frightened, right, really, really frightened of Santa Claus that would be in the shopping centres. You know, where you take kids to go get the pictures taken. And this isn't like an exclusive thing. This is, this is a kind of a universal thing. A lot of kids are kind of frightened of sitting on Santa's knee and having his picture taken. Yeah. He didn't like it. Oh yeah. I I remember just being really uh, excited for the idea, but getting there, it was like something changed and I saw Santa Claus and I became terrified of him. Yeah, and you would never sit on his knee. Oh, never? No. So I would just presumably go and stand. Well, you just hold my hand and and sort of come round the back of me, you know what I mean? And sort of peep round the corner at him, you know what I mean? It was just too overwhelming, I think, for you. I can understand that. I mean, the experience itself is a bit overwhelming. It's all, like, sensory overload as well, because you've got the music, the bright lights, you've got this elaborate... Well, depending on where you go, you've got this elaborate sort of set, uh, design or stage. Was I ever frightened of Santa himself, though? Like, the the, the concept of Santa? Because you think about it, it is kind no. of terrifying. This is, this is a man that you don't know, it's a stranger who somehow is able to get into your house through the chimney and is going to creep about in your house while you're asleep. On one hand, it's really exciting because when he's finished, you get presents. But at the same time, it can be kind of scary. You know, this idea of this strange man just just stumping around your living room. But I think you couldn't work out how he was going to get down our chimney because there was a gas fire. (laughs) And I can remember you saying that to me one year. Or just trying to figure out the logistics. How is Santa going to get in? Yeah, because you used to say, if Santa comes down the chimney, how can he get in when we've got a fire? It's a valid question. And I kind of just used to hedge that one. Right, you just, again, like the whole mind Santa's not real situation, you're just like, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave that question empty and he can sort of figure that out himself. I think I got round it by saying... Yeah, it doesn't come down this one. It comes down the one in the front room because that was like a ball effect one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering where you were going for a second and I thought you were going to say he came through the one next door and then just kind of let himself over the back wall. <laughs> that would be terrifying if Santa Claus like hoisted himself over the neighbour's garden wall and then came in through the back door. And I think one of the questions that you used to ask is constantly, how can Santa deliver all them presents to all them people? Mm-hmm. I says, he's magic. And did that work? Did I just accept that as... Well, it did at the time, yeah. I said, he has lots of elves and helpers. Right. And I said, he's got special reindeers. That was another thing that used to puzzle you, he's... How can reindeers fly? And you used to say, can reindeers fly? <laughs> My God, I was an inquisitive child. Yeah, and I used to say... Um, These can. These are special reindeers. Look, the kettle's boiling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am learning all sorts about you, just your diversion tactics when faced with a question you can't answer. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's difficult when you put on the spot because you're not expecting it. Right, I suppose, yeah, you're not expecting to walk into the room and then having to field 
several logical based questions about the validity of, of center the other one was was how does it get everybody's presence on one sleigh see that is a good question as well and again, presumably that was just kind of smoothed over with the the excuse that it's magic. Yes. His 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 bag is magic. Something like that. Yes. I think that's a good uh, sort of escape clause for most questions with kids. It's just if they're young enough, it's magic. I think most parents have encountered these kind of things. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot to kind of take in, isn't it? You know, Santa coming down your chimney. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, and, and in all the different sort of aspects as we've covered. Yeah. How does he make the time? It's a lot of stops. How does he come? Right, exactly. Because when I was a child, we didn't have Google Maps or GPS back no. then. It had to have been pretty handy with a, a map and a compass. And the, the, another one was, was, how does he know when you've been naughty? Yeah, that's a one that is a little bit weird. For, for kids to think that they're um, constantly being watched. I mean, I understand it's a yeah. good one for parents because it's kind of like, well, if they feel the pressure that they're always being watched, they're going to be on their best behaviour. doesn't work that way, I'm guessing. And the other one was, was, where does Santa go when it's not Christmas? Well, I was just obviously full of questions about Santa as a child. Yeah, yeah well, I think you've always been a bit inquisitive, haven't you? Oh, for sure. I like to know how things work and, and, and sort of break things down, sometimes to a tedious level. And what does he do when it's not Christmas? Well, he's busy in his workshop with the elves making toys. Or he's busy putting orders in for toys, you know what I mean? That his elves can't make, things like that, you know. He just never stops. No, it takes him a long time to prepare for Christmas. So you should appreciate him a little bit more and stop asking so many bloody questions. <laughs> and um, why, why has Rudolph got a red nose? Why why has he got a red nose and none of the others don't? Yeah, you came up with some corkers. Well, obviously, I, I was very intrigued in in how the whole system worked. Well, yeah, you were, but it's it's a lovely it's a lovely time for being a parent and and seeing the look of it. You will the anticipation before Christmas, the build up, right, and the excitement, and then when on the Christmas day when you you just ripping the paper off the, the presents, it's lovely to watch. Especially, I imagine, with a child who's in in that sort of sweet spot where they fully believe in Santa Claus and the magic of it all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who does believe that he can fit through every chimney and he can fit every present yeah. on his sleigh. And you, can you remember leaving the mince pie on the plate and the carrot for Rudolph? I do, yeah. I do. Yeah. Although, thinking back on it now, it's a bit tight that it was only Rudolph that got a carrot. <laughs> I mean, he's already getting special attention with his bloody red nose. Now he's the only one getting a carrot. I bet he never shared them either. <laughs> Selfish kid. <laughs> well, what else does he want? He's got a song about him. He has to steal all the other reindeer's food for the night. Been like 11 other reindeer's lagging from, from dehydration and lack of nourishment. And there's Rudolph with his full tummy. He's laughing at them. It's disgraceful. <laughs> oh, dear. Did you ever actually get a photograph of me with Santa? Or was it just always a case of, like, no, I just... I, I wouldn't be that brave. 
No, I've never mm. ever had a one with you, with Santa. No. Maybe, maybe next year. You didn't even want to go into some of these shopping centres to see Santa. You weren't that keen on it. Do you think it was just like the sensory overload of it? There's so much going on. I think you were just overwhelmed. I think you were overwhelmed at the um, seeing him in the flesh, as it were. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, I was maybe just overwhelmed with questions. Yeah, and, you know... It sounds like it. How can he, how can he be at the North Pole and in here as well? <laughs> well, just, just uh, trying to debunk Santa from an early age. Well, um, you you just you just wanted to know you, you you wanted to know the answers, and that there isn't any, is there? It's, it's just magic, isn't it? Magic. That's what I used to just, say. It's just, 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 just magic. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and write your list. But no, you would you were, you were never overly keen about going into Santa's grottos. No, but again, presumably that's just it stems from the same same area as why I didn't like. Uh, characters at Euro Disney. Yeah. Although I do distinctively remember wanting to get autographs from all the characters, but I just didn't want to ask them for it. I wanted you to go and get them for me, if I remember rightly. I had an autograph book, and they would uh, they put the, the autograph in there. I would think it was amazing, but terrifying at the same time. So I've got a couple of alternatives for you for, for Santa Claus. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I don't know how well-versed you are in German folklore. How how well do you know your German folklore? No, I don't know. I don't think I do, really. You don't? All right. Well, I've got some alternatives for you for Santa Claus Go for ahead. this year. All right. Uh, and we're going to see if you want to stick with Santa Claus or if you want to pick one of these other two. All right. So the first one I have for you is uh, it's called Belschnickel. Have you ever heard of this before? No. Never heard of Belschnickel, right? No. So basically, Belschnickel is a figure of folklore originating from a region of southwestern Germany. He has also been preserved in Pennsylvania Dutch and Brazilian German communities, which I didn't know uh, that the latter existed, no. Brazilian Germans. Anyway, uh, the Bells part of his name basically is derived from the German word Belzen or Belzen which means to wallop or drub, so basically to smack, to hit. And the nickel part is a variation of, as we've mentioned before, St. Nicholas. So yeah. in, in essence, Belschnickel means walloping Nick. Are you enticed already so far? Uh, no, I don't think it sounds very appealing. No? All no. right, well, let's see, let's see. So Belschnickel is a man wearing furs and sometimes a mask with a long tongue. He is typically very ragged and dishevelled. He wears torn, tattered and dirty clothes and he carries a switch in his hand with which he uses to beat naughty children. But he also has pockets full of cakes, candies and nuts for good children. Traditional Belschnickel would show up at houses about one to two weeks before Christmas and often created fright because he always knew exactly which of the children had misbehaved. He would rap on the door of the window with his stick and often the children would have to answer a question for him or sing some type of song. In exchange, he would toss sweets onto the floor and the children would jump to to get the sweets, but if they jump too quickly, they may end up getting struck with his switch. 
There's Belschnickel. What do you think of that? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. No, it's a reward. So he's he's rewarding good kids like Santa Claus yeah. does, but instead of giving them like a, a sack full of coal or sooty toot, as we like to call it here, uh, he beats them with a stick. No, no, I don't think I like that one. You don't. What if? The child has been exceedingly naughty. What if it's been really bad? Like, what if, say, for instance, he has sabotaged the Christmas tree and ruined it? Or, I don't know, he has taken a pair of scissors to his younger sister's new dress that she got for her birthday. That's a pretty bad thing to do. That's going to end up on the naughty list for sure. But is it worth getting hit with a stick? Uh, No, I don't think anything's worth getting hit with a stick. Anything? No. Even at the hands of a magical being like Belschnickel, smacking a child, just just wrapping them gently with a with a with a branch. No, I think it's more likely to damage the child psychologically <laughs> than it is to sort of reinforce good behaviour. Yeah. yeah. So you don't think? I think it'd be perfect to be naughty, mind. Well, that's it. That's it. If you if you, you get smacked about with Belschnickel switch one Christmas, next year you're probably going to be on your best behaviour. Probably, for the rest of your life. Who's <laughs> <laughs> going to keep popping up? Exactly. All right, so there you go. There's Belschnickel. There's your first one. That's that's your first possible alternative to Santa Claus. Any other thoughts on Belschnickel? Yeah, it's a bit... In- it's, it's more like intimidation. OK, what about this one, then? It's called Krampus. Yeah, I've heard of Krampus, yeah. What do you know of Krampus? He was horrible, wasn't he? He was, but... <laughs> he stole Christmas. Are you getting him confused with the Grinch? Possibly. Because the Grinch stole Christmas in the Dr. Seuss book. So Krampus, and I'm sure most people listening are, are now familiar with Krampus because it's become quite well known in Western civilization and through like English-speaking countries, is uh, from Central European folklore, in particular German-speaking Alpine folklore. So again, more German folklore for you. These Germans have got a lot of terms for haven't they? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> they do indeed. <laughs> So, <laughs> Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure described as a half-goat, half-demon, who during Christmas season punishes children who have misbehaved. He's been known to carry bundles of birch branches with which he occasionally hits children with. Sometimes he's depicted with a sack or a basket strapped to his back, which he then uses to take away evil children to drown, eat or even possibly transport to hell. So that's Krampus. What do you think of him? Um, I think he's terribly frightening, and I can't see that being a good thing for children. I think they would definitely be psychologically damaged at the thought yep. of this person existing. <laughs> of the thought of Krampus coming round yeah. to your house and possibly not just hitting you with a stick, which we've already established is not a good thing, at all. Eating you. But possibly eating you, yeah. This, yeah, no. It's this sort of... That's kind of sick. This... Sadistic. So, <laughs> you, you're not really a fan of the sound of Krampus? No, I'm not, no. No, I don't like He kind of does steal Christmas in the sense that if he takes someone's child away, he's stealing Christmas from a family. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't like that. No, and he's, if he's like a demon figure, that's, that's frightening. But again, maybe if you've had a particularly naughty boy, say Eric has been really bad this year and has turned on all of the water in the sink and blocked it and purposely flooded the bathroom, which his parents have just spent the summer renovating. Do you not feel that maybe a visit from Krampus is going to get him in line for the following year? No, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Even if it's just the threat of Krampus, you know, the threat of Krampus might deter little Eric from doing a stunt I'm like sure that. little Eric wouldn't do that in the first place. Well, well, he might do. He might be the son of Krampus then. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> Eric, son of Krampus. Uh, no, I think they're both kind of frightening, and I don't think I'd like my, any child of mine to believe in things like that. You'd rather offer presents than a, a, a good old hiding with a piece of birch. Well, I think, you know, personally, I think that the love angle works better than the fear. Right. You know? You would be terrible at writing German folklore then, because that seems to be their go-to. Yeah, it would be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, there is a very strange thing about German folklore and Christmas stuff. There's another um, sort of companion to Santa Claus, he's called... Um, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's something like Farmhand Rupert or Servant Rupert, who goes around hitting naughty kids with a bag full of ash which is, you know, it's a little bit softer than, like, a, a wooden stick, but still it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Christmas is for families, and if if there's kids, it's the, they're the centre of Christmas, aren't they? Right, yeah. Christmas evolves around children, and it's just the fact that they are so happy and excited, and it's such a reward to see that. You'd rather see that than terrified children oh, yeah. for your in-crampus yeah. or Belschnickel. yeah. It's a time for family. It's a, it's a lovely time, and it should be a loving time. Do you know what I mean? And should be enjoyed, not, not be terrified of. Not, not a time filled with nightmares about no. demons, taking you off in their basket. No, well, don't sticking you down a wormhole to hell. That's horrific, isn't it? There are, there are a thing. Uh, there's a thing called Krampus Carton. And it's been going since the 1800s, and it's basically Christmas cards, but with pictures of Krampus, like depictions of Krampus. And usually it's um, of him, like, leering over terrified children. Not the kind of image you want at a Christmas time, is it, really? Well, I don't know, because you you might be getting a Krampus carton uh, on its way. Oh, dear. I take it you'd, you'd, you'd rather not? I'd rather not, no. All right. Um, it's too late now. It's in the post. One one last thing I want to touch upon before we, we finish. I had you do a Christmas episode with me uh, a number of years ago now, and uh, which is still much beloved by a number of people. I just want to throw that out. Uh, one thing that people seemed to really like was uh, talking about Christmas shoes. You remember Christmas shoes? The uh, the song which then made, which inspired the Hallmark movie? Yes. 
Do you remember the the plot? Because you you came about the movie first before the song. I did, right? yeah. I don't think I've actually come across the song. Oh, don't! It's horrendous. It's horrendous. It's horrendous drivel. The boy wanted to buy his mother's shoes right, for Christmas because she was about to die. And I think that's lovely because he wanted to fulfil a wish that she couldn't do herself. But I don't know if she wanted the shoes in the first place. That's the thing, because the the general concept of the the song in the film is that he wanted to get her a nice pair of shoes because she was about to die and he wanted her to look nice if she met Jesus, basically, if she died. Oh, right, right, well... It wasn't so much that she was, like, desperately after a pair of, like, Louis Vuitton or, or what is the shoes with the with the red soles, the fancy ones, Marco Blanc, so... Oh, no, Yeah, Pierre Van Shuttleworth. I don't know. I don't know shoes. No. Well, not Carrie Bradshaw. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't a case that she was like, oh, son, get me a pair of uh, Marco LeBlanc shoes, you know, and I, I need them now. It was it was more his his sort of idea. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, that he was wrong to do that? No. You maybe are looking at it from a different angle because you haven't heard the song. Yeah. Um, although, to be fair, the film seems to be about as sappy and as awful as, as the song is. But it's just a very contrived idea that, you know... Uh, my I think my grievance with it when we spoke about it years ago was that instead of spending time with his mother, he's, he's pissing about in a department store waiting in line to get a pair of shoes. And the, the idea is nice. The incentive is nice, I guess. But I just, I feel like... The, the the message is is lost somewhat, but you you like the film, right? You seem to really like the movie. Oh, well, that's just because I'm a big soft lump, isn't it? You know, and and I just like a happy ending. You know, well, it wasn't a happy ending as it happens, but it was a nice <laughs> gesture from the young man. No. Do you know what I mean? But right, I, I suppose I'm just a crazy mixed up woman. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this this is from from the Wikipedia page. The content of the song. The song recounts the events. By the way, the song is by a band called New Song, God, which is right, a terrible okay. name for a band because mm. that's that's just well, it's just it's awful. But the song recounts the events experienced by a narrator. So uh, that's right; it's not even from the child's perspective. It's by another guy who's waiting in line. So the narrator is completing the last of his gift shopping on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. leaving it last minute. Um, <laughs> He is waiting in the checkout line behind a young boy who wants to buy a pair of shoes for his terminally ill mother. She will die soon, and he wants her to appear beautiful for when she meets Jesus. So, you know, uh, it's it's a nice sentiment. He's short on money, and the narrator ends up paying for the shoes, which reminds him of the true meaning of Christmas. So there's a really nice message in there, kind of, in the sense that here is somebody who is wanting to do something really nice, for their their mum who is about to die and they're, they're aware that their mum's about to die but they've got a sense of uh, hope and optimism that they will go on into the to the next stage into the to the sort of ethereal plane with jesus well that's a lovely, that's a lovely it is it's it's lovely and he wants to get the shoes and the other lovely part of it is that here is this stranger who's seeing this exchange going on. He's seeing this poor child who doesn't have enough money, and he ends up buying the shoes for uh, for the for the for the child. But my my beef 
is as i mentioned before if if the boy knows he's got limited time with his mum why is he in a department store why is he in line at like the equivalent of debenhams just and he knows he hasn't got the money for it so what is he doing wasting his time isn't he is but i think (laughs) (laughs) you still stand by the fact that this is this is a nice thing yeah i do because that's what he would like to do right and it shows a compassionate side of humanity where the man actually mm-hmm. pays for the thing. And that's what's lacking today, compassion. In Christmas or, or just in general? In general, compassion. Right. Um, not enough time or care for other human beings. If you're standing next to somebody, it doesn't matter who they are, and they are in need, would you not want to help them? Well, yeah, you would you would imagine or hope that most people would, yes. Yeah. But I think you're right. There's not that many people that would. It's missing. It is. That, that compassion's missing, that people put themselves before others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm going to go back to my childhood. I was always brought up that you treat people in the manner that you want to be treated yourself. Right. I believe that's called the golden rule. Is it? By some, I believe so. That's what I've heard. And, you know, you get you only get out of life what you put into it. So if you're horrible, you'll get horrible. Honestly, I do think, I wish people would just sort of stand back a little bit and just think about things, put them in perspective, and just think, you know, if that was me, would they do that for me? I just would like people to be more compassionate and kind to each other. You'd like them to be a bit more like the man in the song, Buying the Shoes. Yeah, I think so. There you go. I think that's a lovely way to end. Do something nice for a stranger this Christmas. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I don't think I've done a very good job of it this time, but never mind. Oh, don't be deft. You always knock it out the park class when you come on here. No. Oh, stop it. You stop doubting yourself. Um, it's been lovely having you on. Lovely talking with you. Yeah. I mean, it's lovely talking with you anyway. But uh, yeah, it's been nice, kind of going over some Christmas memories. Yeah. And what have you? The red, um, the red dressing gown. That's right. Yeah. Slippers. And my big slippers. That's right. Um, but yeah. Uh, anything you want to say to uh, to everyone? It's Christmas Eve. By the time this this airs, I'd just like to wish everybody a happy Christmas and that they keep safe and well and they bring joy into the loved ones' lives. Oh, well, that's lovely. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, I love you, man. I love you, son. so there you go if you've ever wondered for whatever reason what my mum thought about Krampus well now you know not much as it turns out and if you wanted an update on whether she still likes Christmas shoes you got that there as well it's always a great time having my mum on the show it's always just a great time talking to my mum but it's always fun to have her on the show and sort of pick her brain and just have her present her unique take on everything uh hopefully you guys enjoyed that even just like a sliver as much as i did sitting down to record it with her hopefully you've enjoyed the return of this show as well hopefully it's been a good way to come back 
good start to season two. Next week, we are going to be ending the year. That's right. The second episode of season two is going to be out on New Year's Eve, in which we're all going to say goodbye to a pretty horrible year. But we're doing it with some joy. We're doing it in a sense of celebration. Rather than lament on all the awful that has happened in 2020, I have invited a bunch of previous guests from season one to add a couple of things to a proverbial time capsule. That's right, I assembled my own version of the Avengers and they can each fight it out as to who's who. That's not on me, that's for you guys to decide out. I asked them to come back and bring me two things that have brought them absolute joy this year. Two things they've discovered this year that have made a difference, that have shone a bright light amongst the darkness. So yeah, we're going to be contributing 10 items altogether, 10 items that have brought joy and happiness and made a significant difference in one way or another. And we're going to throw them into, as I say, a proverbial time capsule to say goodbye to the year in the most upbeat, positive way possible. If you want to get involved and tell me what two things you would throw into the time capsule, two things that you have found this year that have made a fundamental difference for good in your life this year then please do let me know what those two items would be best way to do that and to get in touch with me regarding anything with the show is via social media you can find us on facebook we do have a page over there but the best and most direct ways to get in touch is via twitter and instagram and you can find me at i am mal foster you can also go to our website dimed-out.com and you'll find episodes for season one everything to do with season two and a whole bunch of other stuff including our new Patreon page. That's right, that is something different for season two. I have made a Patreon page. There is one tier for $5 a month. And if you sign up, then you get a whole bunch of extras. You get an extra episode each month. You get a live streamed Q&A slash hangout each month. You get access to the official Dined Out Discord, where I'll be sharing artwork that never made previous episodes, previews of things that are coming up, and just general chit-chat about topics discussed on the show, and just general chit-chat about whatever you want. Really, that's the thing. It's it's yours. You know, as much as it is mine, it's, it's yours. It's ours. It's our space. So yeah, for $5, you're getting those extras. You can find all of them in full, as I say, over on our Patreon page, which you can find patreon.com forward slash dimed out. And of course, it goes without saying, if you have enjoyed this, if you are new to the show and you've enjoyed this first experience, you want to stick around for some more, and I mean, why wouldn't you? Then the best way to do that and the best way to support the show in general is to subscribe to the show and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Other than that, I just want to say it is great to be back. It is great to put this year in our rear view. It is great to have you on board, whether you are new or you are returning. And I am very, very much looking forward to what is coming in the next few weeks and months. And on that note, whatever you are celebrating, whether it is Christmas, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's Kwanzaa, maybe you're not celebrating at all. Whatever your situation, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, I hope this finds you well, as well as can be. Stay safe. Look after yourself and each other, and until next time, keep it dimed out.